What's going on, everybody? This is episode 15 of Pat's Interference, Alabama SEC champions once again, and man, does it feel good. We're going to be talking about that game against Florida, the upcoming game against Michigan State in the Cotton Bowl, Derrick Henry's Heisman hopes, and so, so much more. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy it. This is episode 15 of Pat's Interference. Hello, Patsies! It is good to be alive back-to-back like Jordan 96-97. You're listening to Pat's Interference, the best gosh-darn Alabama podcast you'll ever hear. I'm Patrick Brickman. And I'm Patrick Norwood. Roll Tide, everybody. Big win against Florida, Patrick. Back-to-back SEC championships. It feels so good. Feels so good. Feels really, Uh, really good. Uh, Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, You can find us on social media at... Pat's Interference on Facebook. Again, that's P-A-T-S. Interference on Facebook. Uh, P-I underscore podcast on Twitter. Our website is patsinterference.com. Those are three great ways to reach us. And Patrick, we're, we're looking to fill some roles. We're, we're looking oh, absolutely, to expand man. the empire. Can you go into that a little bit more? Well, we're adding, a, I think, a couple people, actually. We want some people to help us blog. We've been searching. We've been asking a couple people, and... Uh, I think we got a couple of people coming on board, but we're not ready to announce anything on that front yet. And then, of course, with the we've mentioned these a few times, the archived podcasts, because we have been having to delete and add again, delete and add again. We just want them all in one place. So if you feel like you want to go back and listen to what we had to say before the Wisconsin game and then compare it to where we are now, it'd be, it'd be pretty cool. I mean, I did I think it. We, were, I did we it. were right on a lot of things. But yeah, we, we actually came really too. close on a bunch of stuff. We we really really did. You called uh you called Watson in the Heisman race. You called Clemson. I called Notre Dame. They came close. They they let me down, but I called them. And uh, we both picked Alabama to make it to the playoff. That was my bold prediction at the beginning of the season. Episode one. It's episode fifteen now, Patrick. Fifteen of hey, these we've done. One thing that's kind of funny though. We were both kind of lukewarm going into the season on Derrick Henry. Like yeah, we liked him. We liked him, but. We had a lot of we had a lot of negative things to say, which I think he's kind of bucked this year. One of which was that neither of us really saw him as a traditional power back, which he's still not, in my opinion. But he does have a lot more power than he has in any other year. I think we've seen that on the field, though. Just some things that we've mentioned. Yeah, no, I I agree. Uh, Patrick, let's get to the SEC championship game. Alabama wins by two scores, 29-15. Could have been one more. Decided to play the classy move and take the knee. I love it. Yeah, I, I understand yeah, trying to get. Henry the highest win to get his stats up and all that, but I really, really appreciate uh, the class move there, even if it's not really well-recognized or well-received on the other end. Uh, we're going to start off with the defense, though. Patrick, great defensive performance like we've seen all season. I don't think anyone really predicted Florida to uh, to munch uh, that much on Alabama's defense, and they really didn't. Treon Harris could not get it together uh, for most of the game. Uh, had one pass, though, Patrick, that I want to ask you about is the deep ball in the end zone. We saw it a lot last year, and it really, really gave us fits. Uh, haven't really seen too much from the deep ball troubles this year other than the LSU game uh, when we had them deep inside their own territory. I think their first drive of the game, uh, and we let them get away with it. Uh, we let them off the hook. Um, yeah, because, I'm not worried about because it, Because of though, a deep honestly. ball. So what do you think? Is, is the deep ball an issue this year? Should we be worried about that going into the playoffs? Or do you think that was just kind of a fluke touchdown? 
I think the touchdown was just a great play by the receiver who, again, had only caught, I think, four passes, they said, that year. Mm-hmm. And then actually had another one uh, at one point in the game. It was, that, it was that wide receiver of theirs. He had a – so they caught two deep balls. One, They were just both really nice plays from a team that was desperate for anything on offense. I don't think they're going to come down with that every time. I don't, I don't know that it's really – like we'll mention a little bit later, our safety is first team all SEC. He's been playing lights out. The secondary's been playing lights out. And uh, other than those two passes, they played lights out the whole game. I mean, right. there was barely anybody open, and Treon Harris had nowhere to go. And the next thing you know, he was getting hit or throwing the ball away. Yep. So I'm not going to freak out about it. I think the defense uh, has even outlived their wildest aspirations coming into the year, which, you know, we thought they'd be strong, and now they're number one. I mean, this is 2011, undisputed number one defense in the nation. So yeah. I'm not too concerned about it. Uh, and then the offense as well. I mean, they much of what we've seen a lot this year happened in this game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, Patrick, I mean, I don't know. I I, I look at our safeties and everything, and I, I look at um, – I, I look – gosh, it's, it's just – it's tough because we're so – far ahead of where we were last year. We've got so much depth at defensive back, although that might not be the case if Tony Brown makes another block in the back uh, penalty. I, I think I think we will be down a defensive back then because Saban might kill him. But <laughs> I, I feel like the lack of depth last year really, 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 really bit us. Um, but this year we've got so much depth. So I'm not really worried about the deep ball. With a talented quarterback like Connor Cook, though, I am a little scared. I, I am a little bit. Um We'll, we'll get much more. We're not going to talk about the Michigan State game uh, too, too much today. Uh, we will mention it. Because we got three weeks. We, we've got, <laughs> we got three, three weeks. weeks. We've got three weeks. And don't worry. We're, we're going to fill those three weeks. Patrick and I already have a lot of plans and everything. I know you guys are really, really excited to just sit and hear us talk about not the playoff game. Uh, but we're going to mention it uh, once a week for the next three weeks. And then obviously um, that last episode before the game, we'll, we'll go all out uh, right before the holiday and right before uh, – we, we take a little sabbatical, if you will. Uh, Patrick, Alabama's defense, third in the nation, uh, points averaging against. I said at the beginning of the season, I predicted them giving up 12 to 16. I thought this defense was going to be as good as the 2011 defense, but this team had to play a lot uh, higher of competition, shall we say. And that 2011 team, their biggest game was the game of the century, and there wasn't a single touchdown. Uh this team's averaging 14.4 points against. Uh, that's third best in the nation. Um, you know, I, I'm really, really impressed with this defense, like you talked about. Uh, maybe, do you think it's Saban's best ever? I'm not putting past 2011 yet. I can't do it. I, I, I just maybe feel like the we'll level see. of competition between those two teams was just very, it's very We didn't play different. super, I mean, the best offense we played this year was Ole Miss. And they, I mean, I'm not going to, they put up a lot of points on us, but that we all know that that was sure. a, a, an assembly of things there. I think the best offense we played was Ole Miss, and then we played a lot of reeling offenses. Auburn, Georgia didn't show up. Florida didn't show up. Yeah. Texas A&M didn't really show up. But Patrick, I mean, look at the team. I mean, a lot of that is because of the defense, but. Look at the teams we played in 2011, though. We started Kent State, Penn State, North Texas, Arkansas, Florida, Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, Tennessee, LSU, which was the 9-6 game in overtime. Mississippi State, Georgia Southern, and Auburn, and Georgia Southern scored the more, more the most points, excuse me, out of any of those teams. So I, I just feel like the level of competition, that was obviously the season where Auburn just completely lost it. Um, 
I, I don't know. I, I've got them tied right now with 2011. It'll be interesting to see if they come out both games of the playoffs and just dominate uh, and we just stomp our way through everybody. I think I will put them past 2011. Right now, it's sort of a 1A, 1B situation for me. Uh, but well, pass rush is no question. We get to the quarterback and we cause more havoc with this one. I think as far as just sound and fundamental play, 2011 has the edge. I don't know who I'd rather have on the field. That's it's, a good they, point. They both I, have their strengths and weaknesses, but yeah. the 2011 defense was much more sound. We had much more heady football players. Um, you know, We had C.J. Mosley and Dante Hightower on the field at the same time, who were two of the most heady players we've had. Yep. Courtney Upshaw, Drake Kirkpatrick was a, was a very smart yep. player on the field. Uh, D. Milliner <laughs> was coming into his own. On who else field. do we have? Do we have Mark Barron that year? Was, I think Mark, uh, Barron, Mark Barron was already – Oh, He was gone. Yeah, he no? he, he left yes? in, he left in that Julio class after 2010. Ah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, his last game at Bryant Denny was when Cam threw over him about six or seven times that night. Um, that was about when Haha came in, right? Robert Lester was still on the team. Robert Lester was still on the team, and then Haha yep. was playing behind him. Yep. We had another guy back there, and I'm failing to remember who it was. Anyway, was it? D. I think Miller? that that one was that one was maybe more sound. This yep. one is more. It, it causes more problems for a quarterback. So, yeah, I don't know. All right, let's know. switch gears. Let's go Take to the offensive side of the ball. Patrick, what did you see from the offense that you really, really liked on Saturday? A lot of people forget we played a very good defense. We played a top 10 defense in Florida. So uh, a lot of people were asking, was Henry going to be able to get enough to break the record? Basically, I think if you give the ball to Henry 44 times, he's going to do well. He had 44 carries. 189 yards, he had the touchdown. He only averaged 4.3, which is maybe his lowest of the season, one of the lowest, um, but he still played well. He's still forgetting his hit in the backfield as much as he did and getting hit early. He was still you know, churning along and getting yards. Coker had a solid effort with uh, 18 of 29, 204 yards, two touchdowns, and he had two very, very good throws on the day for touchdowns as well. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I, don't hate, I don't hate what I saw. I don't. Henry had a fumble. But other than that, we had no turnovers on offense. Coker started the game, I will say. I wasn't happy with the way he started. He was rattled to begin the game, but he, came, yeah. he got it together. He made a couple throws. He made a couple easy throws. Then he made a couple hard throws. There, um, his, his touchdown pass to Mullaney, that, that bullet, was impressive. That's, that's the type of thing I see from Jake Coker. And I think, A, why can't you do that all the time? And I think, B, <laughs> if he could do that all the time, he might be a first-round draft pick, Patrick. I mean, I, he just can't make those throws. That The deep ball is concerning. Uh, you know, even the deep ball that he threw, both of them were underthrown. Uh, now, they were where they're only his receiver could get it, but they were horribly underthrown. Uh, but he's had moments it's... this season, Patrick, where he just he sort of shines through, and I just want to know where that is all the time. Arm talent's definitely there. There's no question he has arm talent. It's just where his head is and, and consistency, and he's a fifth-year senior that has only now got one year of starting under his belt. I don't think the guy gets drafted uh, unless it's no, very late and he gets drafted just because of the Alabama pedigree, but we don't really have much of a pedigree at quarterback. No. Um, if he had started his sophomore year, uh, if, the co if Jimbo had pulled the trigger on him over Jameis Winston, if it was even as close as he claimed it was, even though I don't buy it, uh, we could be looking at a different player, different prospect than yeah. that. Well, I imagine mean, how the, imagine how different our world would be right now. And I mean, you look if at the, you look Coker at, had started over Winston, and we didn't have Coker. Look at the stats too, Patrick. I mean, we we 
you and I set last week before the podcast and we compared stats between Blake Sims and Jake Coker. And Blake Sims obviously threw for a lot more yards. Blake Sims had also thrown eight interceptions by the time he reached the SEC championship game. Uh, Coker has thrown seven. Uh, <laughs> or I may have those flipped. It may be Blake Sims through seven, Coker through eight. Either way, it's very comparable. But, a lot different than I would have thought after week four of this year. And Coker, like you said, has eight. he went 18 for 29, 204, for two touchdowns against the 11th-ranked pass defense in the nation. He's definitely improved. Um, and d- the dude has heart. There's no question there. He, is, he has a lot of heart. He's, yep. He's the heart of the offense. Him, I guess, if Henry's the lungs, he's the heart. I think I said something like that last week. It sounds cliche, but it sounds, I feel that yeah, way. It sounds Our last smart. two quarterbacks have really had a lot of heart. I love those guys. I love those guys. I love Blake for different reasons. I like Coker for certain reasons. I've said before that I don't like him at quarterback, and there are instances like the beginning of the last game where it's just like, man, missing easy throws, third down throws, but he's – contained himself now yeah in those situations where he'll have one bad series and then he's able to rely on henry a little bit and we'll have a little bit of success here and there yeah early in the year was a lot of bad series bad series bad series hope for a big play hope for a big play he did underthrow ridley really bad though on that that should have been a ridley touchdown yes Eh, i guess henry got a touchdown out of it but jacob coker is undefeated as an alabama starting quarterback it's true. I read that the other day. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Because he didn't it. start the Ole Miss game. He didn't, and I, I forget that. And he didn't play He didn't play good the Ole Miss game, but he didn't play terribly. He led the team back. We were we were treading. We were yeah. We were dead men walking we were under. Cooper Bateman we were at under. quarterback. Yeah. We were not going to come back in that game with Co- with Cooper Bateman's leadership. No. And that's, that's when Coker really just – I think the coaches realized that. I think Cooper Bateman's going to tra- transfer. Uh, we've already got Chris Black transferring, but I don't know. I, do, do we bring that up even? Sure. Chris Black's transferring. He said it. He announced it. There uh, we go. I remember at one point, pretty much every Alabama fan, and this is hilarious, was more excited for him as the five-star than Amari Cooper, the four-star. I think had he and stayed Cooper, healthy, I mean, he wouldn't have been Cooper's level, but I think he could have been a weapon. Injuries, injuries, and uh, apparently he didn't learn the playbook as quickly as cooper who we all know why that might be because cooper is, a, is an absolute student of the position but he, cooper has a gift amari has a gift about learning the game and learning how to use his body like i've never seen julio was great because julio could just barrel over you and keep going amari was great because he knew okay i'm not as fast as this guy but if i make this head move or i turn my hips this way and then go right back i've got this guy cooper um, runs routes like andre johnson did in his prime yeah yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's move on. Let's go to special teams, Patrick. Adam Griffith, ooh, back to normal or no? What do you think? He missed, an, he missed a fairly easy kick, a short one, but I'm I'm not going to freak out. I, you know, I'm, I'm back on the Griffith train. I, I trust the guy. I would put him back there at 50. Yeah. He's done, he's done enough over the last 10 weeks. I can't believe you didn't mention the fact that on special teams we had two blocked kicks. I was saving that the was best the big for last. Story. But yeah. oh, okay. Uh, okay. yeah, no, I, I, those were huge plays. I forget the statistic. There's some sort of stat out there. Unfortunately, I learned it from Urban Meyer. He said it one day, but, uh, a team that blocks a field goal or a punt, I think has an 80 wins the game. 80% of the time, 80, well, what it did was it, time. it stopped any chance of a fast start from Florida. Cause we got off to a sluggish start. We did. And 
we just kind of stopped any chance of them getting off to a hot start because yep. they we immediately got a safety and got the ball back, and then they went to kick a field goal to take the lead, and we blocked that too. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did. Uh, it, it was great. I love block kicks. I love the enthusiasm and momentum it brings. Hey, it's like in hockey when a guy gets in a fight. Nothing will bring your team off the bench like a fight in hockey or like a blocked field goal or punt in football. Uh, Florida had a big special teams play. We really haven't seen that a lot this year for Alabama. Uh, guys really just bursting through the hole and running past everybody. In fact, that may be our first uh, punt return given up for a touchdown. I'm not – don't quote me on that, but I'm trying to remember another one. I'm really having a hard time. I'll, um, I think that was our first one since maybe last year. Yeah, the year okay. Before. All right. Uh, so, you know, that was – and that used to be a huge problem. 2007, 2008, that was a almost, you know – gamely occurrence not maybe not a touchdown but a huge return almost happened every single game so you know that's gotten a lot better uh that cannot happen in the playoff this these these mistakes this you know oh well we gave up oh yeah well now we're we're going to play top 14 yeah i mean well and you you give up the big pass oh but yeah whatever but it was kind of a fluke play whatever Oh well, we gave up a punt return. Yeah, but how often does that happen? Well, if we if you keep doing that, oh, you, you, that was the problem last year not to against Ohio State. Yeah, we kept giving a big play and big play, and we do a thing, and then we let them do a thing immediately. Yeah, we can't let them do a thing. Yeah, what was your favorite play time? from Saturday? I would go with. Uh, I really was a fan of the touchdown pass, not to Mulaney, but the touchdown pass to Stewart, where he scrambled around and. I know there were three guys in the area, but he, I, I don't know. I think it was just Coker playing his game and saying, all right, I'll put the ball where I know my dude can only get it. And it was pretty sweet, not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, my favorite play of the game was Reuben Foster running across the entire field to bring down Treon Harris. He is a fast dude. Oh, I remember Patrick. that one. He is a fast dude. And I know that seems like a really weird play to call my favorite play of the game, but it just made me really excited for the future of Reuben Foster. What he can bring to the table, I, I, he's the next. He's the next linebacker. You know, we don't. We don't. Uh, what is it? We don't restock. We reload. Reggie Ragland's that reload. He's that bullet. Uh, I think once, or excuse me, Reuben Foster. I think once Reggie Ragland leaves, Reuben Foster's going to step into that role. I'd like to see that. I don't know that he's been the vocal leader that Ragland has, but then again, I'm not in the huddle, so I have no idea. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure that Ragland was this time last year. He probably well, yeah, he probably wasn't. So, I mean, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm really pleased with his development. That was my favorite play of the game, just to see his speed, his grit, his desire. I mean, that game the game was pretty much over at that point, and we've got our backup linebacker chasing a guy across the field. Uh, so really really pleased with the team's play. Sorry that Jim McElwain couldn't win an SEC championship, but I think he's had I think he's had a great season. Florida gets to play in Orlando in their bowl game this year, so that's something. Uh, and Alabama looks forward. I, I don't think that there's anything we really um, were surprised by in that game. Uh, Patrick, you, you've got something. What, what, what else do you want to add? Yeah, man. So back-to-back SEC championships on Saturday after the game, basking in the glory, I decided to take a look back because I remember we were getting a lot of hate earlier this year. September 20th, specifically right after we lost to Ole Miss. And some articles that came out, uh, and some writing that came out. It was easy to pick on Bam after we lost to Ole Miss, wasn't it? 
We were two and one. We were two and one. Three games in the season, Alabama's already got a loss. It Sound is. familiar? It should have sounded a little bit more familiar to last year than. Oh, okay, I'll just. Clay Travis, Fox Sports. I've got these written down. I put them on our Facebook. I love this. In two weeks, when the tide roll into Georgia, you're pretty blues, excited about it. It will be a perfect capstone to the rise and fall of the tide dynasty. Yeah, he decided to use the word capstone. Everybody, remember in 2008 when Alabama went to number one Georgia and humiliated them in Athens to the blackout game? That was the beginning of the Saban dynasty at Alabama. Georgia beating the tide on October 3rd will be a fitting end to the Saban seven-year run of conference dominance. The tie will be virtually eliminated from winning the SEC in any year since Saban's first in 2007. <laughs> the next one's even better. Hold on. But I first have to say thank you, Clay. Um, that was awesome, by the way. Thank you for saying that we were not going to win the SEC. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate your input there on September thank 20th. Thanks for writing in. The other one, Matt Hayes from Sporting News. This is the one I like. Uh, he has a couple quotes in there from teams. So I'm just going to read it verbatim from the article. When Saban arrived in a somber locker room, he told his players that the season isn't over, that the Tide lost the same game last year, fought back and won the SEC, and was the number one seed in the CFP. He said we can do the same thing again, said Tide, tight end O.J. Howard. Not with this defense, they can't. There are more big games on the horizon at Georgia, at Texas A&M, LSU, Mississippi State. More games for the unthinkable to become the inevitable. The decline of the champion has begun. My favorite line there, not with this defense they can't. Not with this defense. Our defense this is pretty defense, rough this year, wasn't it, guys? This defense, which is leading the nation in rushing uh, average or, or average yards against in rushing. We went uh, off I, this summer about people saying that the dynasty was over before the season even began, before we even lost a game. Then we lost a game, and sure, things looked bad. We didn't play great against Ole Miss at home, and we did not look great at home the week before and the week after. People got all lost. I mean, People lost their minds. And then here we are. I hear, I hear that. Again and and I, number two in the college football playoff. I hear that, and I think of Saban's comments after the Georgia game when he just sort of laughed and said, y'all had us dead and buried. It really doesn't matter what you say. <laughs> I love that, man. That and I'm so hoping awesome. nobody in our team is playing for you. That's what he said. <laughs> Verbatim. And I loved it because it was just – and he said it with the most, like, shit-eating grin. And I can't blame him, Patrick, because how could you not? And he wasn't the I only mean, one. Colin Cowherd was the one. He's been more rough on Alabama than anybody. And after uh, yep. after that Ole Miss game he went off on us, he talked about how we were a boring well, dynasty that's now over. And even after the uh, 2013 Iron Bowl, one loss to Auburn, and he called Go Gus Malzahn a Saban killer. He had to back off that this week and say that he was wrong. Yeah. Well, and from someone like Colin Cowherd who's so opinionated – I've also heard him multiple times say that he doesn't know what he's talking about yeah, with college football. He does. Oh, I don't watch college football. Well, I, I'm not. I'm not really into college football. It just doesn't do it for me. My favorite argument that he's had with that was, uh, and we're getting off on a tangent right now, but you, you started this. It's not my fault. Oh, um, I know. You started the last usually, time. Usually, I'm the one who gets us off on a tangent. But uh, my favorite argument I've ever heard Colin Coward say was, "Why would you watch college football when you have people who do it professionally?" at a much higher level which is true that's true they do do it at a higher level doo -doo. uh but <laughs> that's not an excuse i like i said a couple of weeks ago i can't watch the nfl because there's no passion if you lose a game it doesn't matter the patriots have dropped two straight no one cares no one cares because everybody knows when the playoffs come the patriots are going to be fine sorry uh i also right. just want to mention a quick note patrick uh 
people say that Alabama doesn't really have a uh, great resume, great strength of schedule, whatever they want to say. Ohio State receiver tweeted about it a couple weeks ago. Uh, I just want to bring up the fact that Wisconsin is leading the nation in total defense. Uh, or, excuse me, in total rush defense. Uh, or No, that's right. Sorry. I am looking at the right page. It's team total defenses, and uh, Wisconsin is number one. We demoralize Al- teams on our schedule, by the way. You Alabama think if LSU had beaten us, they would have the gone on to lose three straight? Nah. No. Nah. No. And I'm sorry, but Wisconsin didn't really have that bad of a year. I know they didn't have a great year, but... I don't know. Alabama's got more uh, wins against eight-win teams than any other team in the nation. Our win against Wisconsin was every bit as impressive as Ohio State's one impressive win against Michigan. So let's back off a little bit. A little bit salty there for losing a game in your house that you should have won and you looked horrible in. Yeah. Okay, let's go to uh, the Heisman discussion, Patrick. We're not going to spend too much time on this. I think we will. I I don't want to. We'll we'll see. Because here's the thing. There's no reason. Because, like... I told you a week ago, I told you two weeks ago, they're going to find some reason not to give it to Derrick Henry because they're tired of Alabama players and Alabama winning things. And I, I, in my heart, I think it's going to be Derrick Henry holding the Heisman Trophy on Saturday. I hope it's him. Uh, Vegas odds still have him as the favorite. They don't give it to him. Who do you, so I said McCaffrey a couple weeks ago, and you said no. Last week you agreed with me a little bit, and this week what do you say about Christian McCaffrey? I thought it was going to be Watson. I went in, I, in, my, in my last podcast, I said it was a two-man race. I said it was Watson versus Henry. But then again, I didn't think <laughs> that Christian McCaffrey was going to go off for 461 yards. The Heisman Trophy is a beauty contest. That is what it is. I love when my player wins it. That is awesome when the player I want to win wins it. But at the end of the day, it's a beauty contest. And nobody's going to look back and see that in uh, that in Stanford's biggest game of the year, he only put up 92 yards, McCaffrey, I mean, and that Henry has scored in every game this year because all they're looking at is last week. And man, McCaffrey did make a statement. But here's my here's my thing. Here's the reason why I know I'm biased, but I'm sort of speaking or trying to speak to the best of my ability with an unbias here. Henry scored in every game this season. The verbiage, the the, the rhetoric of the trophy states that it's the most outstanding player for college football this year. Not last weekend, this year. So you got two equal arguments now in my mind. You got the best rusher and the best all-purpose. Now look at the teams. Look at what they've meant to their teams. They've meant everything to their teams. Well, now look at how their team's faring. One of them is in a New Year's Six Bowl, and the other one is in a playoff game. They've both obviously been the entire offense for their team. They're very similar resumes. One broke Herschel Walker's record. The other one broke Barry Sanders' record. Both very impressive years. But for people to go that, oh, this is just Alabama bias, Henry doesn't deserve it, is just bullcrap. It's bullcrap. It is. It is. It's. I'm, I'm really, really tired of – and I, I know that we should just get used to it because it's not going anywhere. But I'm, I'm just so sick of this anti-Alabama all the time, everything. And you can't well, even, it only you swings call, one way. You, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. If you if you call yourself a college football fan, how can you not appreciate what Alabama does? Even if you don't like them, even if you don't respect them, how can you not at least appreciate and sit back and say, "Wow, these guys are actually they're they're top notch. These guys are legit." I just I I don't know, and I I see all these people who say that they're college football fans. They're college football fans. Well, I'm just a fan of the game. Well, if you're a fan of the game, then how can you not appreciate someone like Derrick Henry? 
there are there are two extremes with the Alabama bias. There's either the super Alabama's the greatest thing in the world. If they lose the game, let's all lose our minds. Hey, can the Alabama Crimson Tide beat the Cincinnati or not the Cincinnati Bengals, the Cleveland Browns? Can they beat the Browns? Can they beat the Lions? Whoever's the worst team in the NFL? Hey, can Alabama beat them? That's the one extreme that ESPN sometimes takes too far. And then it goes the other way. And then it's – this is – the only reason Alabama gets recognition is because they're Alabama. Alabama biased. Yep. East Coast biased. You know, it's just – how about you just look at it? How about you just look at it as a team? Don't even know the, the number on his jersey, the color on his jersey, and the logo on his hat. And just say, dude, that dude rushed for almost 2,000 yards and 23 touchdowns, and he's going to the college football playoff on the number two team. You can do the same thing for McCaffrey. That guy just broke Barry Sanders' record. But just to go, ah, clearly, it's, even Watson has an argument. Watson's not going to win. We all know that. Watson's out. It's going to be a running back this year. But yeah, they all have very yeah. – I mean, one of them is undefeated, and he's he's gotten better every single week, and he's quarterbacking the number one team going into the playoff, and he's looked really damn good doing it. Yeah, he has. He has. And maybe Watson's not getting enough recognition, but I, I think – I think it's it's down to Henry and McCaffrey. It's going to be I close. Think, I think it's a lot more. I think it's a lot less of their seasons versus who they play for than people think. Oh, because, hold on. I have to because, mention another argument for you. It's going to make you mad. Can't wait. All right. So a lot of people are saying that Stanford, the McCaffrey deserves it just to make up for the fact that Mark Ingram got it over a more deserving Toby Gerhardt. Okay. I mean, like that's what I mean, Patrick. Is like none of this surprises me. Yeah, why would like, you? Why I, would you vote on the Heisman Trophy trophy based on a, a previous year? Are you kidding me? It's just it's it's these people, Patrick, who don't understand, or maybe don't understand isn't the right word, but maybe don't appreciate the fact that this this trophy is literally voted on by journalists and past Heisman winners. And guess what? Alabama doesn't have that many past Heisman winners or that many people who are tied to Alabama. I guarantee you if, if Derrick Henry would have had a 60-yard touchdown against Florida, nobody would even be having this discussion. It's just about last week and the highlights. But where does that But where does that stop? That's such a slippery slope. Oh, well, if he would have played more during the Charleston Southern game. Well, if he would have had, you know, 300 yards or if he would have gotten to 2,000 yards, it's just they would find some reason not to give it to him. And I told you this three weeks ago. I love Derrick Henry. I want him to win it. Do I think he's going to win it? Yeah, I think he will. But I think it's going to be really close. And I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be pretty upset if Christian McCaffrey wins it. I think he's a great player. I think he's a great Maxwell winner. But he is not the number one player in the nation. He's not. Period. The most outstanding player since the LSU game. Think of what the word outstanding means. Who stands out in your mind this year? Well, I think it's been Derrick Henry for the majority of the year, and I think it's been Christian McCaffrey for one weekend. It just happened to be the last weekend. Jeez, okay. I, I think it's been I think it's been Christian McCaffrey for about two or three weeks. But Henry's been because... doing Henry's been doing exactly what Christian McCaffrey's been doing the last two or three weeks. It's just he had a better game last weekend because the Iron Bowl weekend, everybody was super impressed with the 279 yard performance and a bunch of big runs against Auburn and a long touchdown run. But the fact that he didn't have that again and McCaffrey blew up is the only reason why now he if it if it had reversed the weeks. Sam McCaffrey went for 461 yards two weekends ago and 100 yards this week. It, the, the discussion isn't even being had. It's just what have you done for me lately award. I hope the vo most of the voters 
take this voting seriously. Danny Cannell does not. No, none no. of these talking head. Not none of them, but most of them don't. No. Uh, and keep in mind, Patrick, that there's a lot of voters on the West Coast. Yeah. Who are going to back the West Coast guy? That's true. It's it's just unfair. It makes me frustrating, and it's unfair. It's, you can't uh, look at it. You can't look at it as as just the most because that's not the way this award works. Um, it just has, there's so many different factors and it's so media influenced. I want to talk about the snubs. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but like, okay. So three finalists that we've mentioned, the only one that I think could have maybe gotten it out of ceremony and, and really had some fun, uh, and really belonged there was Baker Mayfield. He's the only one that I thought maybe, but they left him off because he wasn't going to win. And I don't know. There's a lot of, it's yeah. a wide open race, but I do agree that they got the three guys, right. There are people that are yeah. livid right now that Leonard Fournette didn't go. There are people that are livid on a three-loss LSU team, might I add. A team that imploded, and their best player didn't stop it. You can't win the Heisman when your team implodes. You can't. Yep. A lot of people no. livid that Keenan Reynolds isn't there. Uh, I, hold, on, I, I'm, hold, I'm on, a, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me let me finish about Keenan Reynolds. He broke the record for the most touchdowns, which is awesome. But he has not been the most outstanding player in college football, and there's no debate that he has been. It's a Lifetime Achievement Award, and the same people that are mad that A.J. McCarron won a couple years ago is a Lifetime Achievement Award or should be the ones that say that Keenan Reynolds shouldn't be there. People were pissed that McCarron was even invited, and he won second place. Yeah. Oh, my he goodness. Did. And I don't think he should have won second place. No, I don't either. It was, a, it was a Lifetime Achievement Award and a runaway race. Yeah. But people were yeah, mad that was. he was there and that he got to smile on the camera for ESPN. Yeah, Keenan Reynolds I, should be I don't know. The same I, way. I, I know think... he goes to Army or Navy. I know that, and I know how great it would be for him to be there. But he does. He's not. He doesn't deserve the trophy. Counter argument. Maybe it's not about winning the trophy. Maybe it's just about being invited and having the experience and an acknowledgement of you had this great season. And Patrick, he goes to Navy. Okay, it's not like he goes to Alabama or Georgia or Clemson or Stanford. He doesn't go to these big name programs. He goes to Navy, and after he gets done with this, he's going to go fight for our country. So I think, personally, I think he should have been invited, because what's the harm in inviting someone? He takes votes away? Sure. But at the same time, at the end of the day, he's a good dude. He's going to go fight for our country, and I'm not saying that should give you a leg up in the Heisman race, but what does it hurt to invite? But Leonard Fournette's a good dude. I mean... I just think it boils down to, do these dudes have the odds to win the trophy? Which guys are, are very, you know, have, have a one in, at least a 1 in 50 chance to win? I, I think tired. the odds have... You know what, Patrick? The reason I didn't even want to talk about this, and it wasn't you and it wasn't the discussion at all, it's just I'm so sick of the Heisman. I'm so sick of it. Because they try and make it this award about integrity and having the greatest player on and off the field, well, you gave it to Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, and Johnny Manziel, who all three have attitude problems, and everybody's, you know, loving Cam Newton right now, and he seems to have become a little bit more mature, and he's turning it around a little bit. But those three guys, when they were in college, were not good people. I'm sorry, but you can't give me another argument. They were not good people, and I'm tired of the Heisman because it turns into... The NBA, it turns into the NFL where it's this me, me, me. It's this selfishness, and I just don't enjoy the Heisman ceremony anymore. I don't ever watch it. I do hope our guy wins, and I pray that our guy wins every time. But, I, you know, I, it's, a, it's a big beauty contest, and it's, it's just – it's a bit – like the, the only reason the Heisman Trophy is what it is is so that they can fill time on the, 
on the uh, the networks. But you know, it is what it is. And, and at the same time, we all like really want our guy to win. It's weird. Uh, yeah. Anyway, if if Henry wins next week, we'll sit here and be really happy that he did. All I know, that's all I know. And he's got yep, a one in twelve I, odd, according to Vegas. He's one in twelve. He was one in four last week, so it fell. McCaffrey cut into that a lot, but he's still the odds-on favorite. I, I still like him. I, I still like his chances. I think if you look at the level of competition each player's faced, if if you throw Derrick Henry with Stanford's offense and give him the responsibilities that McCaffrey had, I think he does as well as, if not better, than McCaffrey did. I think if you throw McCaffrey on Alabama and you make him play Georgia, Texas A&M, Florida last week, I think he has a mediocre season at best. Let's move on. Let's go to Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart announced he's staying uh, through the playoff. Patrick, what are your thoughts? Well, you were more right on this than me. I didn't know what he was going to do, but I did say that I would not be surprised and wouldn't be mad if he left. We got into something about that, but... uh. You know, you thought he was going to stay, and I didn't, so I'm going to give it to you. You were right. He's in Athens well, right now, but he'll you. be back uh, for the game, I think maybe a couple weeks before the game. Week, I think it's the week of, I think they said he's coming back, which is huge. Yeah. He's a better man than me. I wouldn't have done it. I, 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 you know, I don't know. There's just something about Kirby Smart. He's just, he's a finisher. He wants to see the final product, and he wants to stick it out for his guys, I think. And I, I, I respect that. Uh, I also think he's kind of recognized that it's sort of maybe not a lost cause, with some of these recruits, but some of these recruits have already, as soon as Mark Richt left, it didn't matter who they brought in. They could bring in Bill Belichick and these guys probably, well, that's not true. They would have stayed, but you know what I mean. I know what you mean. They wanted to go play for Mark Richt. He's going to do what he's got to do now, and, and if he's basically saying, if my guy, if, I, I get it. I mean, if, if he's going to leave for a week for the national championship, and there are guys that can't stay on board with his pro his future program because of that, then those aren't the kind of guys you want in your program following. You I get yep. it. I get it. I just... You know, when I thought I about it, point. it was like, I get it because yeah. I love that he's staying. But at the same time, my argument is that his his career is no longer defined by what he does at Alabama. Everything and all his name is going to be remembered to what he did at Georgia. So yeah. you got to do yep. as good of a chance. As you, but, hey, it's great that he's coming back, and it will help the continuity big time. Patrick, we're going to spend two minutes on Michigan State. Like I said, we're going to mention it once a week until uh, the podcast episode before the game. Uh, that will be around the holidays. So if you've got holiday plans or, you know, you've got a long drive and maybe you just want to escape your family, come on, listen to Pat's Interference. We're going to be talking about the Michigan State game. Patrick, we're going to cover it right now. We're going to cover their biggest name, in my opinion, on their team. Uh, Connor Cook, great quarterback, great vision, uh, pretty decent arm from what I saw in their uh, conference championship game. Did you Were you able to see the big – uh, excuse me, the Big Ten championship game. Yeah, he's one of the he's one of the major uh, pro prospects at his position up there with Paxton Lynch and Jared Goff from Cal. He's gonna be good. Yeah. he's gonna be solid. He's been solid he's his solid. whole career. Um, he's solid. Uh, I, I went back, Patrick, and I, I know it doesn't matter. Um, but I went back and I watched the last time Alabama played Michigan State in the Capital One Bowl, <laughs> and I forgot how talented that 2010 team was. Patrick, it was. I, I remember watching that game and thinking someone needs to stop this because it was every other play. Someone from Michigan state was getting hurt. Uh, and don't forget Kirk cousins was their quarterback during that game. And Le'Veon bell was their running back. It wasn't like Alabama played guys who went to the NFL and became chumps. Like Kirk cousins isn't exactly great, but at the same time, he's not playing terribly. Uh, 
So Patrick, I you know I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if Michigan State can really physically handle Alabama. Uh, they're but well, this we'll is have to this, wait. they're in a different their programs in a much better state now than it was then. But there, I will not I That's will not disagree true. with you. There was a collective sigh of relief from Alabama fans when we didn't get the draw against Oklahoma. We every Alabama yeah. fan wanted to play Michigan State because we match up better. And let's we match be honest, up better. we don't want to be one and out again. We would much no. rather lose the national championship than lose again in the first round of the playoffs. But we want, yeah, of course, I, we want to I win the whole thing. You. But you know what I mean. I agree with you. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. I, I get what you mean. Uh, so we'll get more into that. We'll, we'll talk specific we'll, we'll matchups. We'll get more so. into it. Yeah. Uh, just want to mention, just real quick. Yeah. Uh, my favorite story from that 2010 game. I don't know. I may have told you this before. Uh, Mike D'Antonio and Nick Saban meet at the middle of the field. Obviously, D'Antonio a uh, apprentice of Saban's, if you will, falls under that Saban Belichick tree. Uh, they meet at midfield after the game, a whooping. And Mike Antonio says, I don't know how the hell your team lost, uh, whatever it was, two or three games this season. And Saban shook his hand and said, I don't know how the hell your team won 12 <laughs> and walked off. <laughs> so that's the kind of relationship these guys have. I don't, I, I'm not surprised by that story at all. I hope it's true. I, I don't know if it is, but I hope it is. Uh, Patrick Saban, always the teacher. Let's move on. Uh, just want to spend a couple of minutes here too. We're going to try and make this a little bit of a shorter podcast. Doesn't look like we're going to be able to do that because you and I got uh, pretty into talking bad about everybody who talks bad about Alabama. But uh, Bama captains have been named. You go to A-Day next year, you're going to see these four guys putting their hands and feet in the cement around Denny Chimes. Derek Henry, Ryan Kelly, Reggie Raglan, Jake Coker. Woo-hoo! Patrick, Jacob Coker deserves it. I, 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 I really know that a lot of people don't like him. I don't think he's a necessarily a great quarterback. He's got more heart than any quarterback that I've seen. Maybe not as much as Blake Sims, but before that, He's, he plays with a lot of heart. He's a competitive guy, and he wants to win, and I appreciate that. 12-1 and one record kind of guy speaks that, for itself. That's the kind of guy you want ingrained in your campus, you know? I think any senior uh, quarterback that wins the SEC championship for us should be there. So, yeah, I agree with you. I agree. I agree. Uh, He's earned it, man. Is anyone missing? Is anyone maybe that you can think of that uh, I might have put that guy instead of this guy or anything like that? Honestly, no. That's how young our team is. Is I think they, I think they kind of nailed it. I mean, there's – the, the three guys on the offense, Ragland on the defense, it's still a young defense. That's yeah. scary, but it's a young defense. So it is. Maybe Eddie it Jackson, is. but he's not quite that. I don't know. Maybe I thought maybe Eddie Jackson. I thought maybe Adam Griffith, but I think is Adam Griffith coming back next he year? He should be back next year. So, you know, I I don't know. And, and the reason I say Adam Griffith is because he had a tough career. You think about it, his first big field goal was kick six. Are you kidding me? I know he struggled this year, and Patrick – I'll be the first to say that I was wrong and that I'm a hypocrite because you and I hated him. We hated him. We didn't after want him kicking anymore. Three or four. We, we said, who's so, the next guy? I'm a hypocrite. Uh, Open tryouts. I'm sorry about that, but, you know, whatever. Patrick, I'm making dinner tonight, uh, and I, I don't really like making cold dishes. So when I dish out what I make, you know what it is? Hot. Hot takes. It's hot, Patrick. It's hot. Flaming hot. We're going to spend a couple of minutes right now. Quick minutes. Patrick, All-SEC team is named. Here are the people from Alabama that got named to the All-SEC. It's the coaches All-SEC. Cam Robinson, Ryan Kelly, Derek Henry, Jonathan Allen, Ashawn Robinson, Reggie Ragland, and Eddie Jackson. 
Are any of those guys not deserving, Patrick? Or maybe you would have dropped him down to second team All-SEC? I'd probably put Derrick Henry around third team. I don't know that he belongs with the first or second. I, I would have to agree with you there. Yeah. Uh, no, in, in all seriousness, I, I think Eddie Jackson is maybe the only guy I can look at and say, maybe you should be on the second team. Uh, and I don't say that to be mean. I'm not trying to say that to say that he didn't have a great season. It's just you look around the SEC, you look at all these great safeties, and I know Eddie Jackson had a bunch of numbers, Patrick, but I really, really hate when things are given because of numbers and not because of play on the field. I think Eddie Jackson's a great player. I'm really, really happy for him that he got it. I think he's improved a lot across last year. Uh, maybe uh, Cam Robinson also, maybe second team. What do you think about Cam? Cam's the one that I was actually going to say. Maybe maybe I pushed in there because of his name. He had a okay season. He didn't. I don't think his season this year was as good as last year's. Take away Derrick Henry's name. Which of those players had the most impressive season this year? Most impressive, Ashawn Robinson. No, sorry, Ragland. I'm gonna go with Ragland. Yeah, I. I mean, I'm. I'm gonna go. Oh, you want more Ragland? Just because, first of all, he's he was named the SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and he's just been the heart and soul of the defense, uh, the number one defense in the country. I think Ryan Kelly's a guy that people are going to not realize that we really miss. You remember he went out for about two series in that Texas A&M game, and the team fell apart. <laughs> That's true. So, uh, you know, I, I think I think Ryan Kelly's my guy that I'm going to say had the most impressive season besides Derrick Henry. Reggie Ragland, I can't believe neither of us picked him because of how great he played. But Reggie Ragland, Patrick, has been sort of quiet these past couple weeks. Wait, I, I don't mean that, that his, his stats. No, I know, oh. but uh, his stats. But originally you said Ashawn. Um, his stats are great the past two weeks, but there hasn't been a big play, a big hit, forced fumble, nothing like that. I'm hoping we see that in the Michigan State game. Patrick, those are our hot takes. Time to close this up. Sound off. Go ahead. Do you want to go first you go, or do you want me to go You first? go first. You and Lane came to Orlando last week. We, we, we told everybody that you and I were going to hang out. Uh, unfortunately, I only got to see you for about an hour and a half, two hours on Friday night, and then no no other time. No other time at all. Uh, I, I'm, I'm genuinely sorry. What? I have to apologize to you. One hour in heaven uh, is better than two hours in heaven. It, what? <laughs> sorry. That's not what I meant to say. <laughs> doesn't even make sense. Anyway, two hours in heaven my, is better than one hour in heaven. My sound off is against myself. I, I, I don't really think I could have done anything differently, but I'm just sorry that I could not have hung out with you and your lovely wife at least a little bit longer. Uh, duty called. I had to be at work for <laughs> an enormous uh, amount of hours last week and this week, uh, and I'm sorry that we were not able to hang out more. My sound off is being disappointed in myself that I couldn't hang out with the Brickman. Patrick, what's your sound off? Now you just made me all sad inside. Yeah. Despair. Yeah. Despair. I mean, welcome just welcome to me. It was great. We had a great time. You took us through a really good spot. We had a really, really good time. You took us through a cool yeah. spot. Yeah. Uh, Attic Door and Winter Garden getting a shout out for free. They didn't even pay us. Most people pay us for these advertisements that we get on Pat's Interference. Yeah, but the ones you hear every they week. They don't have to. They don't have to. Patrick, what's your sound off? All right. Well, on that note... I have been refereeing basketball games for the last month or so. Uh, just make some extra money. And, you know, going in, I know it's, I knew it was a tough job, but 
honestly, and I'm going to say this, it's given me a different appreciation for what those guys do. It's basically one basketball game. It's, it's, it's um, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 13, 14, 15-year-olds. So, you know, young people, but it's like 50 minutes of being nervous that you're going to mess up and make everyone mad. That's honestly what refereeing is. And I'm sure they yeah. feel the same way in a huge stage like that. I will tell you this right now. A lot of the time, when you're watching a game on TV, I genuinely think that a lot of the time you have a better view than the ref. Because I'm, yeah. in, I'm in basketball. I'm standing under the basket. I'll tell you, I had this one play. Um, this is an awesome story. This one play. Is it? I don't know. I mean, they've gotten mad. I've made several people mad. And there's one kid that gets mad when he sees that I'm refing just because he hates me so much. And then there's some that have said I'd do a good job. But there's one play where something happened behind me. It was leading down the clock to halftime. So three, two, well, you know. And uh, the guy was driving. They got a steal. They're coming down. He passed the ball. This was the oldest age group, so they can do stuff like this real well. Um, yeah. Passed the ball to a guy under the basket. Well, I'm the under the basket ref. So I'm watching the shot to make sure the guy that shoots it doesn't get fouled, which he did not. He just missed the layup. But when he passed it and the guy that was defending him, something happened. They collided and fell behind me, hit the ground hard. I didn't see it because it, it fell behind me and I'm looking, now I'm looking up at the basket or, you know, at the guy shooting and my other, my back ref didn't call anything. So buzzer sounded. Let's go to halftime. The crowd went berserk and let me have it for the next 30 minutes. That's not the story I thought you were going to tell. I thought you were going to tell the great turnover story. That's the next one. Where you were oblivious and just pointed down to the other <laughs> well, side of the court. Really There's another one. There's another one. This was, uh, this was the next week. <laughs> this is the next week. And yeah. I you just... get about one of these a week now. Nah, like, yeah, we, I... we talk and you're like, man, really made a bad call I did last a Monday. week. Monday <laughs> was pretty smooth. I don't think I did anything out, out otherworldly. The worst one was the next game. The game ended up going to overtime. But this was right before overtime. So the teams were close trying to win. And like he said, uh, I was under the basket for this one too. And um, there were two players going for a loose ball. But I was there were, there were just a bunch of arms and legs and players lunging. And I had to turn my head real quick because the ball was moving so quick. And uh, someone's finger touched the ball. The ball went out of bounds. I did not see it. So I just didn't. But you, as a ref, you have to make the call and you have to make it with authority so that people believe what you said so that you don't look like a buffoon. So I blew the whistle and I just pointed to the end of the end of the court. And the crowd went just insane because there's like 40 seconds left on the clock and i clearly just gave the wrong team the ball like the other team's players were looking at me like okay we'll take it man and at that point you you're not allowed to turn to turn it over so i did what i thought to do best and i looked at the other ref <laughs> and i look at him this guy's my hero and I start, this guy's awesome i start jogging toward him and he just was like, I guess he didn't see it either. It was such a fast bang-bang play, but it happened right in front of the crowd. Um, right at the corner of the court, baseline and sideline. So it happened right there. I had no look. He had no look. They all had the perfect look, but he couldn't call it off because he didn't see it, and I didn't see it. There were too many arms and legs, too much stuff going on. And luckily, the team that should have gotten the ball ended up winning in overtime, but my, oh, my, was I hated for that one. And so I got to give it to you on on the TV and with all the the extra replays that we get and stuff like that. We get a better look a lot of the time. I, I think the people worst always thing... want to say, well, the ref was right on top of it. I mean, he's there on the court. Sometimes there's other arms and Stop. legs on the court. 
it's tough. The, I think the worst sport is baseball. To be a home plate umpire in baseball, I, I don't know how they do it. And I think other obviously replay is terrible for baseball, in my opinion. But we'll get into that in the offseason. But the, the K zone that they put up now, Fox puts up a K zone during the playoffs. That makes it tough, As man. to where the pitch hit. Uh, and some guys will tweet like, oh, that wasn't even close to the strike zone. Well, you know, uh, the farthest I've ever seen a pitcher miss and have it still be a legitimate pitch is maybe seven, eight inches, maybe a foot. Patrick, when a ball's going 98 miles an hour, or you've got a slow pitcher, so it's only going 85, that's hard to judge. The fact that umpires get it right as much as they do fascinates me. So, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Newfound respect from for referees from Pat's interference. Uh, that still doesn't make any excuses. And then at the same it, time, when they miss a blatant hold on that, against Alabama, I'm like, oh, come on, dude, you were right there. I mean, it's tough yeah, because exactly. I've been conditioned exactly. to hate refs. And as a kid, I hated certain refs, and especially yeah. certain umpires. Oh, my goodness. Remember playing baseball as a kid? Certain umpire would walk out. Everybody would go, oh, that guy. But that yeah. guy is a dude. Like, okay, he gets, he's a dude, man. He's a guy. He's, he's a, a hard. He's a, yeah. Dude, he's I just had a, getting I extra had an money umpire. so he can give his kid a sandwich. I had an umpire one night tell me he was going to make my strike zone the size of a teacup while I was pitching uh, because I kept showing him up. And uh, he didn't like that, apparently. So I got a teacup strike zone. We lost by about seven. So anyway, that's Pat's Interference. That's episode 15. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Like I said, we're going to talk a lot more about Michigan State as we get closer to time. But that's it for us. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you want to be a blogger or contributor. Let us know if you need an archive episode. You can find us on Twitter at PI underscore podcast, Facebook at Pat's Interference. That is P-A-T-S Interference. Or on our website at patsinterference.com. That's it for us. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Roll Tide.